eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where, slightly belated, but Griffin and I have the opportunity, and we want to, recap the Seahawks rookie minicamp, which is a... Is it a three-day event, Griff, or is it is it two days? I believe it's three. Wow. Three days. It happened in 2023. Seattle has 10 draft picks who were there. They also had a lot of undrafted free agents. Lots of things went on. But before that, some Seahawks news. Seattle restructured the contract of Tyler Lockett. Why would they do that? Well, they're kind of tied up against the cap when they need to sign some of their uh, 10 draft picks that I mentioned in their undrafted free agents. So they converted $8.535 million of Tyler Lockett's 2023 salary into a signing bonus, which freed up $5.69 million of cap space in this season. That pushes basically his future cap pits down the line. But for now, it meant that Seattle was able to sign who they listed as a defensive end, Mario Edwards Jr. And also nose tackle Forrest Merrill. Now, Mario Edwards Jr. was most recently with the Tennessee Titans. And Forrest Merrill played four games for the Los Angeles Chargers in 2021. He, of course, uh, playing in a Brandon Staley, uh, you could say Vic Fangio style defense. So something to note there griff you like edge rushes you like defensive line you like even any outy defensive line which mario edward is right what do you think I of do. him uh i think it's a fine pick it's or a fine um signing it's the kind of signing that you know they're always in in the market for and i think he's a hit uh, the only guy that they've taken <clears throat> at this kind of you know time of year and and expenditure that hasn't worked i think has been shamar stefan and otherwise Oof. their hit rate is extremely high like everyone they bring in on like you know for under three million to eat up snaps on the inside always ends up kind of getting what they what they want right um <clears throat> what's interesting about him is he hasn't really been an interior player since 2020 and well technically 2021 but he barely played in 2021 um, he played more in 2020 and he was a legit like end in their three, four scheme. Um, so he was playing three technique four eye. He was one gapping, he was two gapping or power stepping and mirror stepping, right? Um, gap and a half, etc. And then, um, but then when he went to Tennessee, Tennessee kind of plays with like even space a lot. They play a lot of like that. Um, what is it like the tough front or like what Seattle called? Um, no, Seattle called it tough. I think Fangio calls it. What do they call it? Tilt? I don't know what Belichick yeah, tilt. And, It looks and like a, call it's it. a re- basically a reduced over front where it's like a 6-1 box or a 6-2 box depending on certain thing. Yeah. So he, he was essentially playing five technique, like outside shoulder. He's, being, he's an edge is what he's been for Tennessee. And he was really good at that. Um, and now obviously the downside is, is that for Tennessee, he wasn't giving them 
he wasn't giving them great edge rush, right? He had three um, sacks last year and uh, four tackles for loss. Yeah, so he's not particularly productive on a per snap basis either. However, if you're just talking about as an edge rusher, contrasting him with, say, Draymond Jones as an edge rusher, he says he's a little bit more juice than Draymond as an edge rusher. So where that is interesting for Seattle is, although I think they primarily view him as a rotator what, sorry, on the Griff, What do you mean by juice? Like just ability to like to explode and do something on the edge. Okay. Um, like like Draymond Jones as an edge rusher doesn't really give you anything. Um, although there is some logic to using him on the edge for run purposes in the pinch, right? Like in their nickel nickel packages on early downs, like two four five or four two five, whatever ends up being. Mario Edwards is kind of the same deal, but I think he might give you a little bit more edge rush on, on the outside. But all that said, I think he's primarily a run defender on early downs. Um, but he has, he's quick, he's explosive. He's always been undersized for his roles that he's played in Las Vegas or Oakland in Chicago. So, um, he has, he has really good play strength, leverage technique and all that stuff. Um, I, I think he can be a useful player for them and he's really flexible too. And, um, he's really good, um, depth for Draymond and kind of mirrors Mike Morris a little bit in usage, I think. So, so they can do some interesting things with him. Um, the, the last thought I have, though, is that the one guy that they brought in that they brought in at this point in the process was on the lighter side. So, um, again, it's like they're kind of they're kind of lacking like pure beef, like the beefiest guy they have was a guy who weighed in at 304 pounds of the combine and his well, protein has since put on weight, you know. Well, we'll talk about Forrest Merrill, who, who they also picked up. Who is <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, but, true, true. but with with Edwards Jr., that experience in Chicago that you mentioned, that's obviously a Vic Fangio defense. Uh, he also spent time in Oakland where that was with Ken Norton Jr., but they were running uh, kind of a hybrid weird system. There are elements of Fangio within that, given uh, Jack Del Rio's uh, experience with that system. So when he was at Stanford, so he's, you know, kind of versed in those things. It's interesting, like you said, how he's more of a kind of, uh, like he he feels more like an under front guy uh, and a bare front guy maybe, but I, I could see him playing under to the as the five tech in under, and he also feels yeah. more like a power stepper to me than a a, a mirror stepper. So more signs mm-hmm. maybe that Seattle's going to run uh, more five down, maybe more nickel bear. You know he's only two hundred eighty pounds, probably playing a bit heavier now. I, I don't know, but if he's on the edge last year, maybe he's a similar weight. It'd be interesting to see what he actually plays out in Seattle if we ever find out about that. But what stood out to me was Pete Carroll when he was uh when he was talking about um this in his press conference, he said uh w- w- opening minicamp, he said how he's really pumped about it. And we know Pete Carroll's enthusiastic, but this kind of stood out to me how much he elaborated given Seattle only officially signed Mario Edwards the following Monday. Like he had no reason to go mm-hmm. this far. But Pete said how he'd identified Edwards as someone when they started free agency who could help them. And he mentioned his versatility, the fact that he'd played end, as we said, uh, the fact he's also stood up and had his hand in the ground, played inside as a three tech and how he's played everywhere along the line. He says he's really quick and plays really hard. He's got a really good attitude about him. And also Carol mentioned how he's going to be able to compete immediately for the first pass rush group. So what Seattle calls the cheetah grouping or has in the past called it where when they need four guys to go rush the passer, they're playing even front. So in a pass rush mode only, they're playing a nickel even or even a dime uh, even front that uh, Edwards is going to compete for that. And in theory, that grouping now would be Edwards. Well, they'll compete for it, but in theory, it'd be Edwards, Jones, uh, Taylor, Nuosu, say. Uh, I think Reed's probably had those days passing by, but there will be a competition for that, of course. But that's what this allows them to do. Right, so... Forrest Merrill, Griff, probably watched less of him, haven't you? Because I, I, I certainly have. Yeah, I, I've, I haven't watched anything of him, um, actually. But r- right off the bat, we know that he played in the system, played four games last year. He's 330-something. Um, he's like, what is he, six foot, six one? Um, six one, 338 pounds at the combine. So so he screams like nose depth, right? Um, Absolutely. 
so yeah we'll, we'll want to dive into him and see what he's like as a player um I, I don't he's probably a long shot to make the team but the fact that he has nfl reps and recent nfl reps is is a good is a good sign so maybe maybe there's something there um he's actually been i think he had short arms 32 inches okay it's not terribly short but it's not on the long side um that other end that they signed an undrafted free agency was 270 he had 33 34 inch arms so it was like oh, okay they just brought him in because the profile probably um but but anyway uh that, that's uh, mj anderson but so yeah with merrill i don't know i think that it's probably he's probably third in the depth chart right now at pure nose tackle behind cam young and uh robert cooper and then it's probably him and i doubt that they carry three nose tackles so maybe hopefully they're eyeing him for the practice squad um because you never know with injuries and then um as the season goes on and then as well brian monet is probably out of the picture right so they probably need a, a fallback plan that they're familiar with should they ever need to fall back on someone. Um, yeah, I should and, say and, Merrill played those four games with the Chargers in 2021 as an undrafted oh. free agent rookie. And then in 2022, he was waived injured in August 2022 and hasn't been on a roster since, as far as I'm aware. So he's been out of... Uh, you know okay out of it for yeah. a while so this is really a nose like deep depth kind of signing but one they need with brian money being out with, with an acl injury which will take a while to recover from our woods signing elsewhere or has yeah our woods did sign elsewhere. yeah jets but obviously seattle chose to move on from him and yeah their only guy over 304 pounds or we'll talk about his weight in a second but cameron young is a rookie so they needed some more established stuff yeah, agreed. Okay, so moving on, I think that's the signings done. And if you're in the chat, please do feel free to contribute. Derek Gilbert asks, thank you so much for the donation, Derek. What does certified gargoyle mean? Um, that's I, I have a feeling that's directed toward me. I recently described... Oh, well, hang on now. I've yeah. occasionally dabbled in gargoyle usage. Mm. Now, sir, I don't know if I've ever gone with certified, to be fair. So please go ahead. Well, so there's a whole like uh, demon taxonomy, right? Like goblin, gargoyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> certified gargoyle, it was in reference to Devin Witherspoon. Um, he plays like he's a bat out of hell at all times. But then it's never just like it's like all the time. Like, literally, he does something the first 10 snaps of every game. Like, first drives, first series. So, uh, Certified Gargoyle is, uh, you, you got to see it, and then you'll know it. That's literally what I was going to say. I think, yeah. you know, you you just watch the tape, Derek, and honestly, go with your gut. It's, it's one of those things, when you see it, you'll know. And there's not, you can't be wrong, really, but just be confident in yourself. Uh, get yourself some tape watching reps, which I'm sure you have, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Thank you very much for the donation, Derek. Right. So, interestingly, and I think something that's come out with Seattle announcing their undrafted free agents and actually having to list them in positions, but I was struck by how Robert Cooper, the undrafted free agent out of Florida State, he was listed as a nose tackle. Now, he has really short arms, like under 32 inches, right? And so he's kind of an interesting contrast to that Forest Merrill edition as the kind of short arm, big nose tackle. Mm-hmm. But I kind of get the sense that Seattle's roster this season is much more suited to running this kind of 3-4 scheme. Like they have the bodies now other than a nose tackle. Nose tackle is a problem, but if they're going to run bear and more nickel bear as well, look at the look at the drawing if you're watching on YouTube. Uh if they're going to run that more often, then they've got the ends to do it. Like Mario Edwards is a defensive end. Draymond Jones is a defensive end. Jaron Reed, um, is he technically a defensive end on the roster? But yeah. it's, you know, they've got a number of bodies to do that. And then they have a lot of guys who are called nose tackles who, you know, when Seattle does occasionally get into even fronts, there are times where they might play on the outside shoulder of the guards as a three technique, the same spot one of these defensive ends can play. But 
along with that, the outside linebacker group, like the guys they've added, you remember when they first started doing these bare fronts at a high rate in 2020 or mm-hmm. even 2021, where they had Carlos Dunlap and Darrell Taylor, and that was it. You know, you ended up with Benson Mayo were playing significant reps, which Benson Mayo tried his best, but he was very much in the Sam linebacker role of you don't really want him to rush that often. Okay, he did a few things, but you want him to pass drop more often. So it's not that genuine rush or uh, or drop threat off the edge. But right. now they have, in 2023, the outside linebackers all can rush or pass drop in theory. Yuchen and Nuosu, Darrell Taylor, Boye Mafi, Derek Hall, they all fit that description of guys who can rush or drop and be genuine at doing both. And if Seattle is going to run more bare fronts, which especially in the nickel thing, because that's where the real splits starts being evident, right? Then I think they have the guys to do it. They're four deep there. Obviously, you know, you can't rule out Tyreek Smith, who had a kind of injury red shirt yet, but he's very much on the periphery now. Have to see what happens with Alton Robinson. But like, they have the dudes. Uh, the only thing is the nose tackle spot, but they've clearly thought we can go cheap there. We can go young there. We'll see what happens. But it just seems yeah. way more three, four. And it's almost like it took a year for the front office to get to grips with. Well, we were doing the bear front in 2020 and 2021. So really just keep adding the same type of play. You don't need to, you don't need to like trip. Uh, and it, you know, Schneider spoke about how it takes a while with new systems. Maybe they're starting to get it, unless the disaster would be if they continue more of the same of last year's approach with a lot of two for five uh, nickel, because uh, I don't think they have the guys to do that. Yeah. But we'll see. Well, are they getting too light, though? If, like, surely they don't want both spots. Like, they might have an archetype where they want one guy to be 300, whatever, and the other guy can be that, that 285, 290 guy. Because uh, they've got three of those body types right now between Jones, Morris, and now Edwards. So maybe they kind of view like it's kind of like the big end spot of old and then there's the three tech spot of old, but a little bit heavier on the big end side of things. Because maybe it goes back to wanting that versatility to be an under team whenever they want and be a bear team whenever they want. Um, th- 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 well, then, then the other thought I have is kind of back to the two, four, five thing. If they're consistent about the big, at least on mixed tendency downs where you can run and pass, not just like it's, you know, third, it's, it's not second and 12 and they're in gun spread. Like it's, you know, where they can be still be running the ball in second and four, right. Or first and 10, even if it's 11 personnel and you want to match up with nickel when they get into their two, four, five stuff, they might want the versatility to go in and out of that kind of effectively like a, that reduced over thing where it looks like mint, and they can just reduce that the the field outside linebacker, um, who's uh, or or maybe the, to the bubble side, the side of the two eye, mm-hmm. and have him pinch into the B gap, um, even if he's standing up still, like knife into it a little bit, um, and maybe they want a bigger body to do that. So maybe that's why they're rostering more of these body types as well to be more flexible. Like they can go in and out of it. Um, yeah, it does can... feel like there's guys who would be more suited to being on the open side. So away from the strength you've designated, uh, which would often be the tight end, or the closed side, which would be to the strength you've designated, or, you know, to the tight end, hence the closed aspect of the formation. Uh, it, it does feel like that, which that's how they always did it in the 4-3. Uh, the lines right. blur, and I think that's a, an, an important uh, uh, point. And there are comments that we'll get to from Clint Hurt, Pete Carroll, uh, from uh, a radio appearance from Clint Hurt, which is pretty revealing. But uh, as we finish up on, on the mini camp stuff, you know, Carol on Derek Hall, who I just talked about, he, he said how, you know, he's 255 pounds, he looks the part, and uh, Clint Hurt was really taking care to make sure he uh, was getting up to speed, um, getting off to a good start. Uh, Pete said that there's he could do everything for them because he, apparently he knows how to drop, which is a pretty big thing. I, I still haven't fully dived into his whole resume, but I remember thinking his drops looked a bit... Uh, uh, well, the, the the drops asked of him weren't asking for that much urgency into coverage, but maybe I just missed something. And anyway. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, moving on to uh, that nose tackle, Cameron Youngriff. The fact that he was £304 at the Combine, he's come in at £320. I mean, that's what Seattle asked of him, and he's doing that. So, yeah, that's a positive. Fourth round nose tackle out of Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he, he did say in his interview... They asked him like, "How are you? How are you being played and stuff?" And I think you you tweeted that um, his exact quote, but uh, he said how in college we were asked to slant a lot, like uh, shoot gaps. We were moving the line a lot, and now here it's more gap control, more uh, uh, gap and a half. So the premise there being like it's just where they're focusing technique in Seattle. Like they're not a chop the front up team that they don't throw a lot of action at the line of scrimmage. They really emphasize just playing your technique playing slow and then and then just kind of choking the blocking scheme out at least at least in terms of talking about the run um so i found that interesting so there will be an adjustment period for him now i think he can handle it like you you have said that he's a good power stepper i mean he does have good technique yeah there was there was small amount of reps on tape showing him do that where it looked really good and like immediately i was like oh that's a seahawky kind of style but Mm -hmm. also pete carroll mentioned uh when when talking about him uh, in his rookie minicamp presser, that uh, he's real bright about the position, understands and all, so he's clearly picking it up. Yeah, which is good. So young as well. He yeah, he spoke about how either in Seattle their gap control, which is when we talk about power stepping, a six inch power step, playing an outside shade, so outside shoulder of the guard, outside shoulder of the center, if you're uh, nose tackle in the system. Uh, what young will mainly be outside shoulder of the center or a gap and a half he mentioned which in seattle for young that would probably be two eye where they're inside shoulder of the guard and you're taking a more a six inch lateral mirror step mirroring the angle departure of the guard in that case or he you know the zero technique in the bear so the head up uh nose tackle that's like a, a unique situation where you're mirroring the angle of the part to the center when head up on him, but then you're looking to, to still hit him and then lag into the backside a gap. Um, most of the time, unless you get like mm-hmm. a, a draw play, then you can go front side. So that is, it's still mirror stepping, but it's less gap and a half. It's more, yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd situation. You're, you're not, up. yeah, you're not likely to, uh, Gap to like and work, half. Yeah, yeah, you're not likely to work in the front side gap. Although Al Woods, I wonder if they just let Al Woods do what he wanted because well, I think draw so plays, easily. draw plays, and maybe if you get guard pull and can make a play. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. against zone, I guess he wasn't ever really doing it, but right. So yeah, it's it's cool that um, Cameron Young's added the way, and another guy who's added the way is Mike Morris. So right. Mike Morris at the combine was two hundred and seventy-five pounds. Does that sound yeah. right? Yeah, he was and, supposedly yeah. And now he's listed at two hundred and ninety-five pounds on the roster. He said he was two hundred and ninety-four pounds, but uh, you know, what's a pound? Um and he's, he's, a, he's, he's currency, but there you go. Yeah, nailed it. But uh very good. That's pretty cool how he's in that mold. They're gonna be playing him inside. He's another defensive end in the system uh he'll play mainly three tech power step i think to start off with yeah and i am uh still very curious about all this because in the drills like it's so early you're not supposed to like really parse anything from drills but he seems a little like he doesn't have the density for it i don't i mean his pad level was fine but i wonder if his hips were too high and that was something i said on the edge his 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 hip level pad level was fine 
but on the inside, I wonder if he's just going to have to get used to bending at the knees more and exploding. Like, does he still have the movement skills while getting that low to the ground? Um, it's going to be interesting to watch. I feel like, I feel like, like, uh, like on the front side of, of gap scheme, he's going to get blown off the ball. <laughs> if he has to take on a double from a tight end and, and the tackle, I just don't see it happening year one for him. But I am curious, like I'm personally, I'm only going to be judging Morris against the run in like one-on-one situations. Like that's what he has. To, that's his starting point, right? Yeah, you can't expect him to do that well against like a tackle guard combo. At that point, you've got a scheme better for him, you know? Yeah, and and I can see like mirror stepping. Like Keon White had that problem where he would get too high mirror stepping, so he doesn't really get to like dig in, right? It's the, mm-hmm. the lateral step. It was harder for him to bend at the knees. I can see that being a problem with with Morris as well if he has to play four eye, which he will some. But I think with his length and movement skills, kind of when when things really get rolling, I think he'll actually be able to kind of recover. That was another thing with Keon, like the long, tall guys, they recover really well, even if they get uprooted at the snap. So I think with Morris, that will kind of be his thing. But when he's playing three technique, when he's power stepping, one gapping, I really want to see if he has surge. And now he holds up against guys that are trying to get under him and try to move him because that will really be, that will really define like how he fits in the scheme. Um, yeah. So, cause it's all about unlocking his pass rush on early down. So it only comes with serviceable run defense. Yo, on the subject of that as well, actually, and, and, you know, looking at the clips and it being very much a case of over analysis, but day one or day two footage versus day two or day three footage, when he was striking, and he's probably just practicing both techniques. Like, but yeah. the first time I saw a clip, which was from the, the the previous day, the earliest day, or the earlier clip. Anyway, he was using a three-point technique. And then the second time, I'm pretty sure he was using a four-point. So I don't know if that's them going, you know what, we'll try in a four-point, see which is best for you. I mean, yeah. this is what rookie minicamps for. If they're going to coach him both, but we're talking like the challenges of one adapting to the inside. Everything happens quicker there. Two being a taller guy and having to do that. It's going to be a work in progress. So I really like it's a fun kind of pick. But now they've signed Mario Edwards so, Jr. Now they've signed Draymond Jones. Uh, well, they had signed Draymond Jones, but yeah, and they've got Jaron Reed. He's not a starter. Like he's a depth kind right. of rotation piece that they right. needed to develop. Now, could he become a starter if he excels? Yes. But if we're looking realistically, they will not having penciled in to start this year right and on that point that you mentioned about about the four point they actually denver in in their tight tight bear front Mm -hmm. they would actually have draymond jones with in a in a four eye with a yep uh yeah the four point stance with his with his uh uh, outside foot up and his inside foot back meaning he's a legit four eye not not a three technique um and yeah. so it, it kind of just lets him explode into it. Now he's technically power stepping with that. So maybe there, maybe he doesn't have a gap and half assignment. It's just to help him engage the block and come out low. I could see them experimenting with that with Morris too. So, and Seattle did let uh, they let LJ Collier, for instance, using four point at times in those in similar alignments. Puna Ford, I believe, occasionally would do that as well. Mm-hmm. So they're they're open to it, especially in the kind of four eye stuff. So anyway, right. Right. Final thing I wanted to talk about and uh I completely blew it. The the top What'd the top blow? news was that the the two the two top picks for Seattle were limited due to their soft tissue oh, yeah. things. Which is a classic it's thing over. where guys they train for the combine. Uh Bill Belichick spoke about this before. He spoke about a lot of things before. If you ask him a question he deems worthy or he's just being nice. But he, you know, guys tra- train for like the kind of speed of stuff and they end up suffering soft tissue things or or having soreness there and then they're not quite ready for football shape yet. And so, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's what happened with uh, Devon Witherspoon, Seattle's number five overall selection or wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba, their number 20 overall selection. But both those guys were limited at rookie minicamp. Wasn't, uh, you know, anything wrong necessarily. Seattle just taking the precautions and yeah. That's that. We didn't get to see them that much. But what we did see from Smith and Jigba was interesting. So he was working with uh, Sanjay Lau, the wide receivers coach. Not surprised there. But the drill that uh, Bob Condota of the Seattle Times tweeted out was very interesting to me. So he started uh, holding up 
basically in Jigba, who was uh, leaning forwards, basically training him to lean forward in his pads out of his stance and keep that pad level low for the takeoff. And then the receiver ended up running a like a hitch or a comeback uh, or curl, sorry. And because he's maintaining the low pad level, he takes less steps at the top of the route, but also he's selling vertical at the start of it. And this is something that I couldn't find the actual quote, but DK Metcalf or Sanjay Lowe, one of the two, spoke about the other saying how, you know, they'd work together on this for the for their game. And it came to the... Uh, uh, came to rise when uh, Metcalf was talking about running stutter hitches and that type of route. But anyway, mm-hmm. the, the kind of finer details Smith and Jigba's got to still learn. Uh, it's it's going to be very cool to see him kind of unlock those elements to his game. Because on the mm-hmm. surface, you look at this draw and you're like, oh, they're working how to get off press because Lowell has his hands on in Jigba, but they're not. Sure. They're, they're working on that right body position out of the stance uh and showing the kind of impact of it which so, so they're not tipping whatever route they're running making it all look the same yeah right and just efficiency of movement less added steps throughout the phase of it and faster so yeah 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 Pretty cool and yeah with us been unfortunately while we saw flashes of Injigba with the spin i saw nothing which is because we didn't get clips i'm sure he mm-hmm. did some cool things but that will come in good time on that subject lack of uh lack of photos to analyze so ho- mm. hopefully they'll come but mm. i may have uh i may have ruined that for myself you i'm not a conspiracy have. theorist but there were loads of great pictures last year and then suddenly this year after the yeah, what game, happened what happened where was yeah where's the high res images of certain uh, laminated pieces of paper yeah what's going anyway. on there yeah, why is it all blurry suddenly? Anyway, that's fine. So, finally, Griff. Oh, five yeah. and nine adventures. Miles Adams is a three, right? Remember seeing him at nose some last year. Uh, so yeah, Ma- he did play nose last year. That was they would. Part of that was because the in the two four five, so the two interior <laughs> defensive linemen, the, the two D tackles in that uh, nickel system, the over G front they had to basically flop and play two eye off three tech. And it just so happened that Adams ended up at three tech, but they did also uh, at two eye, sorry. So the no spot, but they did also play him over the center sometimes. Like, no, he, not... he definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was just them trying to find a, a body to do that. And like mm. for rotation purposes, but he was not the right guy to do that with. They messed up how they played their guys last year. And he should definitely be more of a kind of defensive end. So, yeah, his best stuff is a three technique. And uh, yeah, he and uh, one-on-one with a guard, let him go to work. Agreed. And I think he's one of the guys that if you're going to mention anyone that is maybe a sleeper to be productive in pass rush, I'd always throw his name out there because he's so explosive and squatty. And he's got moves. Like he's always had moves. And he really came alive in the last couple of drives, I think, against the Jets. He has some devastating bull rushes. I mean, he's, he's got talent. So I, I really hope he can grow enough on early downs that he can be like one of their mainstays on the inside um you know so yeah i'm we're always rooting for miles around here yep big miles adams podcast so finally some media comments so clint hurt uh went on 710 espn seattle or seattle sports now with michael bumpers and stacy rost and he talked about Seattle's defense last year, and it, it kind of re- it was a bit of a weird listen, to be honest. But he was asked basically if the defense was. He he was asked about the two gap one gap thing, and his answer basically said how they're going to be better this year playing the run. Um, but when people talk about the three four. Um, they actually did more two gapping in previous years, but because of the move to the three, four personnel system this year, people assume that there's going to be more two gapping this year. So Griff, like what, what was your yeah. takeaway with, with Hertz comments? And if you haven't seen them, uh, Bob Condota tweeted out them out. I quote tweeted it with my takes on this, which you're going to hear now. So, well, well, he said that they had actually been doing, they did less two gapping this past season than the year prior. I thought I found that odd because, is he just conflict because the coaches are they know they're talking to the media right 
in the masses. So they don't really, they, they don't ever speak like full with full um, like disclosure, right? And then they kind of they kind of bucket things together and they kind of just hand wave them and they're wishy washy with their language. When I wonder if when Hurt said two gapping, is he is he just conflating that for the sake of discussion for the sake of the exercise in that conversation is he just conflating that with three four because within three four they can one gap and two gap or do one they can do it either or both at the same time right with one player doing one and one the other or it or because obviously like we know and he knows they did less three four last year and in their two four five they're asking the interior two defensive tackles to two gap quote unquote so like what did he what, what is he really saying with that? Because so the way I extracted that was we actually did. The only thing that makes sense from that statement is he's really saying in coded language, we did less bear, less three, four, less three, three, five last year compared yeah. to the previous seasons. And this is how it gets a bit messy because obviously you don't want to ask, especially when you're running your own radio show for the masses, you don't want to run. You don't. You want to ask a scheme question, but you don't want to narrow it into a corner too much. You don't want to make it too technical. And so, if you ask a question in this way, you can get a slightly funky answer, which actually, like, it gives you a bit, like, and it gives you an interesting comment, but it's also actually not very clear at all, like, how this is a thing. Now, I, I have two theories. So, my one, my first theory is that Hurt was talking about how basically last year, if you think about it. They were planning even in the bear stuff to run two four eyes all the time. And they did start with that, which in layman's terms is two gapping. But after week six, they stopped that. So they went back to how they did it last year, right? Mm -hmm. And then from like week 15 onwards, when our woods went down and they were just trying to find stuff to which worked, they moved more to an underfront, which was basically power stepping uh everyone was one-on-one -on -one, uh, one gapping there was no reduction to that it was a very basic version of under with no reduction nothing and that was pure one gapping right. across the board so is he was... is he talking about that kind of deal right yeah that's that's a good point um because they did run uh, uh a, a lot of that so um I don't know. It's I, I feel like he's just, you know, he's and, just kind of like, yeah, go ahead. And my other theory was, is he just like, if they call this two gapping, often they actually have meaning gap and a half. Is he like really getting into semantics? But that seems less. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, they technically don't. When, when I think like true two gapping, I feel like you're talking about um like like uh, uh never mind never mind we don't need to get into it right now um but then they don't often they don't the point being they very rarely true two gap right so i think it's I think, it's, it's it's two gap technique not two gap assignment per se yeah but i think whatever. like so just to clarify though in the two four five we believe that the, the two eye technique certainly is was play, told to play gap and a half and the three tech was, and then the way that the I mean, linebackers often fit yeah. that was stacking those guys and then playing off them, right? Right. They're just fitting off them, even when it's cover three. So it's it's like, uh, what, what do they call it? Cloudy, clear. If it's yeah. cloudy, then you correct the guy. If it's I clear, really don't want to talk about this, though, because it gets me really upset. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, but in too high, so even though in too high, You've got a seven if there are if there are seven gaps. No, if there are eight gaps, you have seven guys in the box. But the quarter safety, if it's half quarter, 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 half, he's in the fit as a primary fitter. So the linebackers are playing, they're playing with eight man spacing, meaning there's eight guys in the fit, even though there's seven guys in the box. So the like, technically theoretically, it gives the linebackers some ability to get vertical. Because they're playing as though it's one high, even though it's not. And it's really hard on the safety to to come down. That's why they have some of the linemen up front two gap to buy time for him. But because they are then playing a mere stepping two gapping-ish technique, the linebackers still have to play laterally and hesitant. So And I think the reason they did that in one gap as well is because they want to fit it 
like a four two or two four structure. The point being, they don't want the safety or the nickel to have to worry about the run or read run pass. They just want them to play pure pass until they get a clear run read where they can rally to the ball. Yeah. So the basic premise is to defend play action. The cross is better. Well, Keep that guy out of the fit until he's needed. But agreed. it gets pretty hairy when, as we've seen, a tight end's brought into the picture uh, to the side of that dude. Or, uh, you know, even in too high Seattle last year, they would have the quarter safety read run pass. And if it got a run read, he'd, he'd fit into, if he had on his side a tight end, he'd fit into that C gap and he'd be, they'd fit the run from too high effectively. Just watch the tape. Uh, yeah. And they'd put him into the boundary to make that a, a shorter, easier uh, deal for him. But this year, the safety reads, right from the preseason, I was like, this doesn't make sense to me because this looks so loose. And yeah. I, I came to understand that that's just how they, that's just how the Fangio tree does the 245 run fit. They just don't have those guys, that their, their, their keys are odd. They kind of just BS it. And yeah, how they, viable they totally that is. Do. Like, I mean, we're, we're getting into the weeds here, but. Uh... Well, and, and so if you delay the safety's keys, then it becomes essentially a crack and replace thing with the corner because the safety gets climbed yeah, on, and, and then and the corners didn't know what they were doing. For the the corner technique to make that work a bit more, uh, but yeah, yeah. And then the other thing is, well, if you're if you have a loaded box, why would you ask them the two gap? Because you're trying to accommodate the two high shell, right? The problem with that again is if you because offensive linemen of the quarterback know what a two gap stance is and what a one gap stance is. So if you change your stance, they know the safety's coming down or the safety's staying high, depending on what the stance is. So you're kind of tipping the coverage too by the defensive lineman uh, alignment. Um, so that's the other problem. So they kind of have to maintain the guise of what they're trying to hold that too high shell and only spinning down. But the thing is it got to that point, right? Where they were, where they were preloading the box pre-snap. So it's like you're not even pretending anymore. Just play football. Just play football. The way. But I think they're they're thinking long term. No, we have to get the technique down. So we still have to do this for the sake mm. of it. Whatever, and the man. other thing about that Clint Hurt interview, which was interesting to me, was pretty much unprompted. The first thing he started with was talking about pass rush and pass coverage, the importance of Russian yeah. coverage. And and like, that's that's why. Sorry, that's the go whole ahead. premise. Right. That's why they, that's why they, in 11 personnel, they cut their three, three, five snaps in half in favor of the two, four, five. They want edge rush, right? But it's, so, they, they overdid it. They overdid it. Yeah. And to be honest, like, and, and I'm sure internally, uh, Clint Hurt is more aware, but this interview was slightly concerned. I, I liked it still just because. I don't know. I'm I'm picking out things out of it that I'm choosing to see. Well, the uh, other yeah. thing, I... it's uh, a, you are the the optimist, and I am the pessimist. yeah. The other thing that is more of a neutral note that I found interesting was was when he called the three four front. They ran an under front, which is which he akin to like a four three under front. Obviously, he knows they ran a they still ran a good percentage of bear. He knows bear is an under, but then I uh, when he said that. Does well, he, his, his, what? think of Ben about the 2015, uh, 2015, week 15 onwards thing where that was pure under. That was true, bump true, 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 true. But I do wonder if he as a defensive line coach, if he in his mind buckets all like an eagle or a, a bear or tight or a, a true under front as kind of under because the weak side B gap is closed. And then from that cascades, a bunch of assumptions you can make about what the offense would or wouldn't do or what it means for your front. Like, cause the one thing all those fronts have in common is the weak side B gap is, has, a, has no bubble. Right. So I wondered if he kind of has like a philosophical thought of like, well, a bear is basically, is basically a type of under front in his mind. I wonder if he thinks about football in that way. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I, I just that was kind of an aside because it's you, you it's hard to run gap scheme a week against an under front for the same reason it's hard to run gap scheme week against a bare front, right? If you can funnel mm -hmm. everything strong, then you're just it's or you're either managing a strong side B gap bubble or a strong side C gap bubble, depending on if you're in bear or true under. And then if you're an eagle, it's a C gap problem again, and then maybe an A gap problem. Um. I don't know. 
I just thought I found that interesting, but he's probably just hand waving and just saying, you know, four three versus three four doesn't matter for the run, and it also doesn't matter for like skill sets. It just you're either a good player or you're not. And honestly, references. the the whole three four four three thing to me, the biggest thing was getting the front office to be able. And it, I guess this is obvious, but it's just getting the front office to actually pick and get the players who fit what they were doing schematically already. Like right. it's just a way of calibrating them. Uh, right. And it just took them a year, but maybe right. they finally worked that one out or maybe it just took them. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was Clint Hurt's comments. And then finally Pete Carroll went on uh, the interview with Brock and Sulk. And that was so interesting. Uh, that was a brilliant interview. You should listen to it. He said a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that he'd already said, mentioning how they've always been a 4-3 scheme that plays with 3-4 uh, personnel. Um, and it was basically the whole, what we've just said. Uh, yeah. you know, they they have these outside linebackers. They, they're trying to get faster. How the Sam and Leo have always been a, that, you know, they've always been trying to just get fast but with how football is you can get faster and get even lighter with the the leo position and uh then also uh informing brock Hewitt that they'd um they'd been running bare fronts for a few years that was um that was a great moment yeah, that was Seattle sports that history rather I think, amusing I, yeah and the premise there it kind of, you're getting you would be distilling what pete carroll fundamentally thinks about football Ultimately, he just wants, he doesn't want a B-gap problem in his front, but then he also likes edge rushers. So how do you combine those two elements? It's difficult to do that. So the easiest way is run a five-man front. And his four, three fronts have always been mostly a five-man front, right? It's just... You want to be able to, you want to be able to do everything. You want to be able to cover right. down. You want to be able to set the edges strong. You want to have no bubbles. You want to keep your linebackers clean. And often the bare front, or in a lot of these cases, a mint kind of front, which which kind of yeah. is is shading more towards certain aspects, uh, is the solution. And, yeah, all right. and then, then and the then... balance of it all comes back to how do you want to rush the passer the best? Well, balance. generally speaking, if you want to rush the passer with four, it's very hard to do it or harder to do in the odd front. You have to get back into the even front world and... That's basically the battle Seattle had, and last year they went too much to the rush four uh, out of the two four five uh, stuff. But Griff, go so, on, say what you want to say. So, but, but all those things you just said doesn't that make you think that the ultimate player, the ultimate player to be as flexible as you want that they've had, is Michael Bennett? Because oh. he can solve all those problems, and you can weave in and out of whatever front you want. It doesn't matter because he's. I there. was going to say, uh, I was going to say Alden Smith, but anyway. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh, but, but, but yeah uh, like every anyway but the takes from p Carroll's thing was he's basically saying how they've always been a hybrid defense and they always will be the either yeah. player in the uh, in the bear looks can now rush uh or do any coverage that they want basically from that look feasibly uh, obviously you don't want him man covering a slot but if it was man coverage he could peel with the running back or potentially cover a tight end if if in a pinch you know uh, and, and then right, go ahead my bad finally uh in, in 2022 um it comes across like they were trying to do a few too many fangio ideas that didn't really fit what seattle needed that was my interpretation like pete said how uh yeah they just didn't quite understand and they're more dialed in now basically is what he said so in 23 yeah. the read again is more that they'll do more bare fronts like and more one gapping unless they need to two gap but i i don't know anyway griff what what you're being mischievous um i was just gonna say like when you said to to quote what you said about quoting Pete carroll about how they've always been a four through hybrid team isn't that why this the transition to three four bear went so under the radar in 23 years ago I mean, isn't that why who Brock Heward, who knows a sh crap ton about football, why even he was kind of, you know, because he's probably only watching uh, the broadcast angle because he has to watch tape on the college teams that he's doing in the fall, right? Like he's not necessarily watching tape mm -hmm. every week on the Seahawks. 
from the sideline, you might miss that they're actually running a 3-4 versus a 4-3 because their their classic reduced 4-3 under and over fronts is so similar. Like that's it's that's why the transition wasn't a big deal because they're it's it's you're just tweaking, you're making two adjustments to your front, and boom, you've got odd space. You've got a 3-4 now, and you can do it with the same body types, the same roster. The only consideration is how do you handle the skill sets of who's rushing and who's dropping? You and, know, like, and history here proves insightful in that when Vince Young ran all over USC in the Rose Bowl and he ran in for the touchdown where Frosty Rucker, who was, what, 275 pounds, 280 pounds? He's the guy dropping off the edge into coverage as a, as a hot coverage player, so they fire zone the other way. But he's the guy in space trying to tackle uh, Vince Young. Is basically playing an, you know, he's in an outside linebacker position. Yeah. And so the next year, everyone, all the writers, and I'd have to go back in time to actually understand whether this was official or not. But all the writers called USC moving to a three-four. They said they moved. They moved to three-four personnel. Uh, mm-hmm. Clay Matthews, Brian Cushing were their primary two edges. They also had another two hundred fifty-pound guy who I forgot the name of. My apologies. I think he might have started over Cushing, but they had they just they just did away they just did exactly right. what Seattle's done now. The only difference being, uh, they they didn't have this kind of Fangio element. It was still and, uh, pure Pete and Pete calling the the defense. He was still the DC. So, right. and then, but they did run a crap ton of coverage. Uh, they ran yeah. a lot more different coverages. And so, then and then he gets to Seattle, and then they don't run the three, four bear as much be, And why is that probably? Cause they can't find two Leo types. Like those mm-hmm. body types weren't available yep. to them. Uh, so and, he's just adapting and, to what's available. And, what's and required. The, only, the few times they did do it because they didn't really need it, but the few times they did do it. Uh, and, and why didn't they need it? Because at the time the NFL was very much still 21 personnel, mm-hmm. uh, 12 personnel, uh, pro formation stuff, heavy run game. You need base out there. But then the, the few times they did run it was when mobile quarterbacks, so Robert Griffin, uh, Colin Kaepernick, Cam Newton, that sort of stuff. Anyway, that was a brief history lesson. Uh, <laughs> and we, we got into the weeds of scheme. But the Seahawks had a rookie minicamp. Griffin and I will be back on potentially Thursday, maybe Friday, uh, with very exciting stuff. We're going to be diving into Devon with the Spoon Tape live on air with you guys. Let us know what you want to know about Devin Witherspoon. Tweet at us. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be a tape-heavy stuff. And, yeah, we appreciate you tuning into this one. Everyone follow Griffin at Move. Follow me at Matty F. Brown. Follow the podcast at Seattle Overload. Give us, uh, give us, give us, give us a five-star review, please. And <laughs> until next time, please. please. Hey, Griff, if you don't ask, you don't get and it that, that's to be polite. And until next time, this is this has been the Seattle Overload Podcast.